Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet. Look at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of uthdynasty.com, home to over 300 podcasts annually, trade calculator rankings, all that good stuff. You want to support the show, even uh, about a buck a week, go over there and you can get the uh, all that content uh, at UTH. But you can also go to patreon.com slash UTH and, and support uh, what, what Tim Torch is doing, myself. We have a, a weekly podcast as well as a bunch of exclusive kind of workshopping. If you want to hear the backstory behind a lot of things or articles um, or data research that I do, um, that is a place to kind of hear the backstory and, and, and just hear the entire process. Just had some, uh, some unlock of some new age data, um, kind of putting things together, roster retention, probabilities, all that type of stuff. And again, you get to hear it from the ground up uh, over there at patreon.com slash UTH. And Katie, um, for the first time in probably years, question mark, uh, I probably I asked for some Twitter questions uh, just to kind of see what sort of hodgepodge we would get in terms of topics on the precipice of players reporting and actual NFL activities uh, as we get into it. Um, so we've got a nice mix a nice collection here of topics that we'll go through Um, I wanted to first ask you though with the recent Antonio Brown retirement I know we've talked about him a couple times over the past maybe three four months so where do you stand I hope I hope you're putting that in air quotes air quotes exactly yeah 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 uh, retirement (laughs) if you will the new term everyone could technically be in retirement every night if you're not currently working (laughs) maybe you're retired for that cross section of time but in terms of Antonio Brown I know you've been uh, positive in terms of hey he's worth holding on to he's worth let's see how this works out instead of selling him for for peanuts or cutting him or anything of that regard and I'm imagining we're still in the period of let's see what happens because it's not like it's week eight and no one has still kicked the tires he's still sitting at home saying he's retired Uh, so we're not there yet we're still very much in the wait and see we might have these uh, acclimation injuries and who knows what a team will need in three, four, five weeks time. I saw somebody trade Antonio Brown and a third for Alshon Jeffrey. And then the person that got Antonio Brown promptly dropped him. So they just <laughs> wanted the third round right. pick. That sounds about right. Jeffrey. Late second, early third for Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah. But if you've held him, there's no reason to cut him right now. There's not somebody better on the waiver wire that you're going to pick up most likely at this point in time, since we don't have any data. Uh, So it's the same holding pattern until he absolutely without a doubt retires or until there's better information of somebody else that you should pick up instead. It was a, it's status quo. It was a different career ending, but I remember even for two years, people still held Calvin Johnson. I think there's still yes. super flex leagues where someone, you know, people out there own Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck, you know, so, yes. and I remember when Michael Vick, you know, was not in the NFL at the time, some people held him. 
And somebody ha- somebody dropped Gronk a week before he oh, unretired. Yeah, you know, you just don't so, wait. <laughs> just that little extra bit, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, so for Antonio Brown, but I did I did conjure I, I did find some some tr- recent trades. So you tell me if this is enough to move off of him. And, and I know you're probably going to say that the upside of none of these players is as much as Antonio Brown in the perfect storm. But it's all a personal preference on well, what is that risk worth? Um, so Antonio right. Brown for, and these are all 12-team stock stock formats. Uh, Antonio Brown for John Smith. I guess it depends on where that team is at. If they need tight end, I would take John Smith. Okay. If, it, I mean. Okay. Uh, so if, if John Smith would be your tight end one, then then you'd take John. Yes. Okay. Uh, what about for a 21 second? At this point. Uh, oh, yeah. If I'm not. I mean, would you pay a second for a super bridge or a bridge? I mean, you don't know that he's going to play. Right. Well, it's different than giving a second for A.J. Green. Or, I mean, you can right. come up with other super bridges that the likelihood that they're playing is tremendously higher. <laughs> well, exactly. So flip him for the second and then take that Sing second it. and put and him into somebody around, else yeah. as a super bridge, potentially. Okay. I, I would rather have a second, I think. Okay. But unless, like, if... The thing is, is if you're a contender, Antonio Brown isn't your only wide receiver anyway. But he's good depth if he does come back, and he he's shown that he still can play. Here's the other factor: if he if he plays, if he plays, and let's say again, he's going to go into a situation where you would expect decent targets. Even if he's right. not what he was when he last played and at his peak, which was historically strong. I mean, I think I saw something that was like, uh, what was it? You know, his six-year run was like, you know, it was it Julio Calvin, Randy Boss, Jerry Wright. I mean, again, it's all the greatest names. Um, so, you know, if you get that, I just wonder if he comes out and has, you know, a couple good games, is he worth a first? I mean, is is a lot of it forgotten, no, and he's I sort of back. It. Yeah, so I'm just, so I'm kind of wondering. I mean, a second. The other two I wrote down were no, but the, but my fear, my only fear would be if I'm a contending team, and he's probably still got legal battles right. that he's, you know, he may get suspended, so he would be more of a second half of the year play right. if the season even happens. I I would take the second. I think that. Even, I mean, there's a very good, strong possibility that the season does not go, or that the season doesn't go halfway. It's and different and then stops. than what we're. Yeah, it's different it, than a right. It's season different than capacity. normal. So if I could get a second for him, as I mentioned, even though if if I were a contender, I'm probably deep enough at wide receiver anyway that losing him and and getting that future second, right. and then potentially flipping that for something that. Right. When I need to flip it, not now, but later when the season happens, if the season happens, and you're making a push, then you can use that asset. Yep. That asset is more liquid than Antonio Brown. The other two were Sony Michelle straight up and Chase Edmonds straight up. Sony Michelle, yes. Chase Edmonds, no. Okay. So it sounds like you're you're very much in that something in the late second sort of variety, which I think Michelle and Janu and the second obviously are are kind of in that ilk. You could say Chase Edmonds is probably a shade below that, but but that's the ballpark for you saying, hey, you can move on, you can get something that can pop a little bit, can help you, and 
they just don't have maybe the cloud and let's face it also Antonio Brown's what 32 years old or something I mean it's not like he's he's in that you know it's not like he's 27 so there, there's there is some difference there and even when he comes back how long would it be and like you said I mean there could be uh, a, a decent level suspension and he still has hurdles like you know game shape new team um, <laughs> you know what if he were to come up you know COVID positive just like any other player so there's there's so yeah. many variables that added to the the regular hurdles and if you're buying him specifically for this year which i'd imagine that's his greatest that would appeal. be the only way right his greatest exactly. appeal um and here's another here's another little tidbit before we get into questions and full-on dynasty stuff is um it came out today that there's a uh, 95 positive tests that uh for nfl players and it looks like even a couple weeks ago there were 72 so you could look at that as partly positive and that there's only a couple dozen from the last couple weeks um is every player already been tested? Apparently, I was reading that it could also be players that have had it, period. It's not current. It couldn't be a, a current positive. It could be they already have had it. So I'm just, anyway, I, I don't really have anything to say on that regard. I don't know if you do. Not really. I mean, 70, however many out of 1,700 active right. players. And way more uh, in camps, it, right? It, right. Uh, and the other thing is, I don't really want to get into. I, I I'm not sure how uh, accurate the testing right. is. No, I no, that. I got you. I got you. Um, yeah, and and so a long way to go. But again, I think also positive. This week we actually have uh, major sports. Baseball is scheduled to start, Katie. So we'll have yeah. some data points there. I know there's been some other ancillary, you know, golf and uh, um, and, and and fighting and and some other things that have been going on racing. So uh, so we're we're getting close. I mean, this this August, September, October could be. I mean. It could be best case scenario. I mean, we have more sports going on with more on the line than ever before. So, so let's see how this goes. Um, you know, with, I with turned the- on the NFL Network for the first time since the NFL draft, wow. uh, and and listened to the Good Morning Football for the first time in a long time, and uh, it was it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, getting re re uh, re uh, acquainted, <laughs> Katie. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get into some of these questions. And uh, if we we have uh, some trades and maybe some other questions at the end, but let's get started. We have Scott Connor on Twitter. So he's talking about Henry Ruggs. He says if 21 year old Henry Ruggs puts up uh, 160 PPR points and that's 10 points per game. Uh, his comp list is, is a lot of Hall of Famers. He says his ADP should shoot up to maybe the first two rounds of the startup draft. Um, how hard would Dynasty Twitter tilt if this happens? Now, is is Henry Ruggs a player that Dynasty Twitter again? I'm not really up on that, but is that uh, people hate him? Is that is that how it's rolling? And, til- I and is tilting bad? Is tilt? I'm so old right now. Is tilting <laughs> is tilting bad or good? I would say tilting would mean that they're upset that people that they're upset. They're yeah, upset that, that, that he's doing well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's not a lot of. I haven't seen a ton of Henry Ruggs buzz on Twitter. Uh, in the last few months, to be honest, I, I know that. Well, I mean, some people think that he goes 12, 13, 14 or something in this year's dra- rookie class, that that means you hate him because he was the first, you know, first player of, you know, wide receivers and running backs off the board. And yet he's going behind a ton of them. You know, you could you could look at it that way. Um, you could also look at it as, you know, there's some some non-optimal things in his profile that uh, give you a little bit of pause and going first in a cloudy 
group of of wide receivers overall that could have gone in any order a lot of people feel in the first round of the NFL draft and you know that wasn't going to be their preference even if he went first yeah I mean this year's class is so deep between the running backs and even the wide receivers that it's not really that big of a slap in the face at 201 202 uh, I personally would rather have Brandon Ayuk than Henry Ruggs. And sometimes you get T. Higgins going out at 15, and 16, 17 overall. I mean, really yeah. from like 11 to 15, 17 or so in rookie drafts, these wide receivers go off the board in almost any order. Michael Pittman. Yeah. So to say yeah, Ruggs I mean, is behind or ahead of any of them, I've seen almost every ordering uh, across my rookie drafts. So. Yeah, and you you're more able to speak to the historical, you know. Realm yeah, I, that I got a couple bullet in. points on that, but but yeah, like, what are your thoughts on Henry Ruggs in terms of it's a relatively open passing game, uh, but you've got you know two viable with Jason Witten coming in. We'll see what he can offer, but but Darren Waller's not going away. Tyrell Williams is not going away. Um, you know, Hunter Renfro actually had a pretty solid rookie season out there at the slot. So yeah, Renfro is one of those feisty. Uh, feisty guys that I think will always carry that Rodney Dangerfield moniker. He did the same thing at Clemson. You know, he wasn't highly touted, but right. He wasn't highly touted at all, but yet he got the job done and over four and five star guys. Big <laughs> Yeah, in big situations in national championship games and, and playoff games and things like that too. So the guy can bring it. I think he's, it's a tall order, moxie. though. He said first two rounds. I mean, there are so many young, pedigreed, with job running backs, and yeah. you're assuming that Ruggs is going to get past a lot of those 26, 27, 28-year-olds um, at wide receiver that have long track records, and I know we it's easy to kind of push up a 21, 22, 23-year-old as long as they do something, but I just think, you know, that's uh, what I wrote down is 160 points is kind of wide receiver 35 to 40 historically. You know, in that range, and I think uh, Football Guys has them for. Uh, I jotted it down here just because I wanted to see what their projection was. They have them for forty-eight catches, six hundred and seventy-seven yards, and four touchdowns, which would be one hundred and forty fantasy points thereabouts. And a big committee, you know, a big amalgam of of pass catching targets with Josh Jacobs seeing a little bit of a boost from last year. Um, and again, I just Derek Carr is not someone that you say. He's a lock to kind of finish the year as the starter. That that certainly is up in the air as well. And we saw Mariota wasn't his, that great either at Tennessee to say, oh, he's going to be much better. So Yeah, his name is Derek Carr, not Derek Cadillac. <laughs> um, so, yeah, looking at a few things. So uh, I looked at round one wide receivers uh, in, their first, in their first year. Wide receiver 66 is actually the average. The average, not, you know, not, the, uh, you know, the, not the top 25%, not the bottom 25%, just the average. Um, 33% finished as wide receiver 40 or better, just to give some probabilities here for rugs. Um, if you look at sub 195 pounds, it was only uh, 25% that uh, finished in the, uh, let's see, yeah, only uh, finished in the top 40. So, and, and, and guys that are sub six foot, it's only 29%. And he fits both of those categories. So you would say the likelihood is we're not really, we're probably not going to have this conversation. Is it possible? Certainly. Um, but I don't even know, you know, 10, 11 points per game. I know people want to anoint year two and year three massive breakouts when a, a wide receiver does anything. But I would say have some pause. I like Brian Edwards there. You know, let's let's see. They do have a, a strong tight end room as well as Josh Jacobs is certainly capable of catching 40, 50, 60 passes. So 
Um, again, well, I, and that's just the players on that team. And right. then on top of that, let's say you know you, you're going to have guys like Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, uh, exactly, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, uh, Cortland Sutton going into year three, D.J. Moore going into year three. Guys, Chris Godwin, you know, the guys that are starting to move up the ranks and Mike Evans is going to start to slide even more because he's older. Amari Cooper's going to slide even more. DeAndre Hopkins is going to slide even more. Devontae Adams may start to feel a little bit of a slide. But that's a lot of bodies for Ruggs to, to be in the top yeah. two rounds. Yeah, I just don't – for that, for 10 points a game, I don't know that that's no, that, realistic that's not, that that's going to happen. I mean, now if, he gets, now if he gets to, you know, 15 or 16 – you know, that's where you start talking. talking. I mean, because, and let's remember the torrid finish A.J. Brown had, you know, and that sort of got him in that ballpark, right? I'm looking, Yeah. let me see for Superflex if, uh, did uh, did he get there? Is he in the first two rounds? I don't know. I don't think I have. A.J. Brown is, yeah. Is he for start one? Okay. Yeah, yeah. In start one, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's kind of like a pocket of the season, especially the, you know, what have you done for me lately finish that that's what people are going to hold on to at the at the end of the year and through the off season it wouldn't be you know a torrid start and a you know limp to the finish um type production so so yeah i mean yeah i'm looking at the first two rounds i mean shoot in super flex yeah i mean you're talking who you're gonna have to leapfrog it has to almost be all of the older guys and then you know you're gonna have to have some decliners whether that's clyde edwards alaire you mentioned or maybe miles sanders or i mean it's just gonna be, have to be a handful of these guys so yeah. it's just, it's a tall order. So, I mean, so that would be my biggest thing is Scott. First of all, historically, the numbers aren't in the favor of that actually happening. And then the other part would be, it's because it's not like he's walking into an elite passing offense. I mean, 4,000 yards passing w- would be a really nice result, I think, for, for the Raiders. So uh, again, there, so you have some maybe situational limitation, but then you also have just uh, the probabilities that it's, it's to occur. Uh, you know, 30, 35% chance, maybe uh, static wise. And then that that's just, I, I don't think 160, 170 on a 16 game season is going to be enough. Um, all right. So next one. Uh, so this is for specifically for you, Katie from dynasty madman, uh, sh- my buddy shaken or stirred. I kind of know the reference cause it's James Bond, I think, but you'll have to, is that one drink or is that all drinks? <laughs> it's a uh, martini specific. Only a martini. Okay. Only a martini. And, uh, I'm a gin martini, extra dry, extra, extra dry. Just wave the vermouth bottle over, pour out the vermouth. What, is after dry, you what pour does dry it mean? In. I need to use this. Dry means hardly any vermouth. The vermouth is. Okay. is uh, that makes it wet. One of the ingredients. <laughs> yeah. What does dry mean? Th- it means very little vermouth. Uh, okay. So put a little bit in the, in the glass, circle it around, and then chunk it out, and then add the gin uh and and i'm more of a swirl it's not a shaken because shaken i don't like the ice chips and it's not really a stir but it's it's put it in the ice shaker and swirl it around and then strain it no ice chips and extra extra olives no olive juice i I don't want a dirty martini i want uh just like three or four really nice big fat olives in there and those are green olives Green olives, yes. Okay. And if they're blue cheese olives, that's great. But if they've got the pimentos in there, I'm fine. That's with right. That you too. told me about blue cheese olives, didn't you? 
Oh yeah, they're so good. That's I would I've gotten to like green olives and just a variety, a bigger variety of olives um, as I've gone mm-hmm. on. But man, the blue cheese in there just sound, especially like in a drink. So what kind of? Yeah. So if you order one, so you would order either Bombay Sapphire Gin is my. Gin. Well, you would say you would say a dirty martini. Which, no, well, not dirty. No, no, no. You, no, no, not no dirty. I'm saying the options for ordering. Dirty martini okay. would be with the olive juice. And then, yes. so if you don't say dirty, it won't be dirty. Is that true? Correct. Okay. Correct. All right. And then you would say, so you have to specify what, what options for alcohol? Would that be? You yes, can also because some people are vodka martini. Right. Or you say so extra it's olives. vodka or gin. I do. You would say, the you way would have to this, say extra like olives or it comes with one, right? Would, would you like to hear exactly how I order it? Sure. I just want to know all the oh. options though. It sounds like there's a okay. lot of options. Right, so I'd say a Bombay Sapphire Martini, extra dry, swirled, not shaken. I don't want any ice chips in there, (laughs) and with extra olives. That's exactly how I would. When you say extra olives, does that mean you'll get like three, four? Yes, and they come on one tooth, one long toothpick on the top. One long toothpick. All right, or a sword, depending. A sword. Sometimes it's a sword. Fancy. Okay. (laughs) I like the toothpicks better. Okay, but you have to say you have to say swirled. Is that what you say? I say swirled instead of just shaken. I don't want so it shaken because shaken then or, it gets ice So the answer is neither. It's swirled. Dynasty Mad Men. Right. The answer is neither. It's not shaken or stirred. It's swirled. It's swirled. Okay. Very complete. I'm complicated. I don't, My martinis now I'm thinking are back. I don't think I've ever had a martini. I don't think I've ever ordered they, one. They're not for the faint of heart. What does it's that mean? straight alcohol. Oh, shit. Be- oh, wait. Yeah. I mean, there's no mixer in there. There's oh, no... Okay. Tonic, it's just straight alcohol. Oh, so unless you and get it dirty, it's really just the the chilled alcohol. Yes. All right. And the vermouth it's is not for also the, so alcohol. So how many how many servings or how many shots is 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 a like I I know you sip it and stuff, but is that like three shots? No, it's just it's one? usually just one. Yeah. It, that martini glass that I see all over the place only holds one shot. It depends on the bar. Okay. Uh, but. I believe it's just a single pour. I had to ask the, this might be a dumb question at the very end, which is, oh my gosh, it's not mixed with it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not. Now, they make foo-foo drinks that go in martini glasses oh, that you're probably yeah, used I think to I've seeing. had one of those. Like maybe. Cosmopolitans, those are mixed. Those have, okay, they have different mixers. Okay. Yeah, but a martini in and of itself okay. is pure So have you, ha- have you had it dirty? Yes, I have, but I just don't really. Yeah, it just doesn't do anything. I like. Yeah, I, I like it better with just... I'm not a big... I like olives, but the, like you're literally pouring olive juice into something. I, I, that doesn't sound... I don't know who came up I with like that. I like pickle juice. I wouldn't I wouldn't put pickle juice in a martini, but I'm just saying t- as far as... Can I tell you... An, I would I would rather have pickle juice than olive Can I tell juice. you a, a weird a weird athletic hack? Some people use okay. pickle juice oh, as, yeah, like, as like rehydrate. a quasi-Gatorade. Yeah, exactly, because it has electrolytes in That's, it. Yeah, I've I've never I I don't know if I've ever had pickles in the house, but but like I would be interested just to try to drink the pickle juice. I'm not a huge pickle, pickle juice. Fan. Is good. They do have a Jameson shot with a pickle back, uh, huh. or whatever your shot. So Jame, they call it a Jamo with a with a pickle back. Jamo pickle back. So I gotta ta- write that down. Jamo pickle back. I still wonder. So you though, get you a shot of Jameson. And then a shot of pickle juice, and you take the shot of Jameson, then you take the shot of pickle juice, and it kind of evens out, makes it 
like pretty smooth actually see i try to have some notes in my phone if i ever am at like a bar situation (laughs) and it's like i never know what's considered normal and not normal i can't imagine what you just said like you would get the weirdest look sometimes i like but yet if you go to a certain bar like it's like oh yeah sure i'll get you one coming right up and it's like but like 75 percent of places might be like what did you just say i don't even know what that is uh, I think most places would know. The pickleback? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I do. I All mean, right. we can poll the audience. We can do a Twitter poll. About and pickleback? See. What's it called? Yeah, what do you, pickleback. That's all you say? A J-Mo, a J-Mo, J-Mo, with, a J-Mo with a pickleback. All right. Yeah, what's a J-Mo with a pickleback? Well, someone was trying to tell me that you know chicken tenders are going to come with plum sauce. And I was like, what? I've never heard of that. And he was like, well, I am in Canada. I was like, all right. <laughs> I was like, plum sauce? You went off You went off menu there, off script. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, this is from uh, P-Win Dynasty. I believe that's Paul. He says, is COVID changing your values on 2021 rookie picks and or Debbie picks in general? If so, how? Not really. Not really. Keep driving on. We like picks, so we'll take some picks. And it's always about the yeah, value I mean, of the picks. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't discount. I wouldn't raise them up. Yep. And, it's going uh, to be a fun ride from here to the 2021 NFL draft no matter what. But uh, you know what? Picks are picks. And I'll say you this. If you're in Debbie uh, and and you, you do, you've been scouting players since they've been incoming freshmen, I think 2021 could be the year that you have an absolute edge for all these people that require and mandate a final college season and really pin themselves on how the final six months go into the NFL draft. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Yep. Because if you're trying to go back and scour 2018 tape or, you know, just like, ah, oh, I don't know how to, you know, I don't know how to evaluate this. Well, yeah, you're not going to have the final year breakouts. That's how it goes. Got to recalibrate. This is from uh, AZ Ron. Uh, this is FFPC. He said he traded 102 and Kirion Johnson uh, for 103 and Darius Geis. Here's the, here's the kicker, Katie. With Jonathan Taylor on the board. Yeah, I would. I want the stud, especially in FFPC. Um, they do have, quote, unquote, the, more shallow. I mean, sorry, uh, deeper leagues, like if it's best ball. or it's, But it, it's still yeah, shallow but, for Dynasty. That's all I'll say. Like, no matter what, it's still shallow. Yeah. And he planned to trade give me, back. Give me the stud. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he got stuck at 103, took Cam Akers. He was actually planning to trade back. Um, you know, four or five or whatever. But I just don't see, like, I see Kieran Johnson as, as underrated right now and not someone to, like, so to say that Kieran Johnson to Darius Geis is this massive world-changing upgrade, you know, so yeah. to say, like, well, I traded back, but I got this huge upgrade. Like, there's, I, I couldn't pivot off. If I'm at one, two... We don't know that Geis for sure is an upgrade yet. Exa- well, that's what I'm... I, I yeah. believe that he is, but I, you still don't know. Exactly. And you don't know... Well, and Kieran Johnson, again, I, I think it's too early to throw to throw to him completely him. on the fire, you know, and say he's Dunsky. Right. And, uh, again, I mean, you can view it two different ways of they drafted DeAndre Swift because they liked DeAndre Swift. And it doesn't... Kieran Johnson has two partial seasons, but I'm not ready to give up on him. A lot of the historical study of this exact type of situation is the incumbent is underrated in this season. Now, how does it work out over three seasons? I don't know. But but in the year following the drafting of that player, that this player right here, Kieran Johnson I'm referencing, typically is underrated. So I'm, I, I am definitely open to the possibility that this is his best season. Yeah. Um. But yeah, don't move off of Jonathan Taylor. Like that's been my my mo. If you're at one, don't well, get cute. If you're at two, if he falls to three, like you're just trying to trade up, you're trying to stay there. Just get him. But but here's the other thing: if you are going to trade Jonathan Taylor, at least make it worth your while, so that if your contingency plan of of 
he intended to trade back and trade back and get more buildable assets. If that plan falls through like it did, I think you lose the deal. So you've got to at least make it worth your while. Make it a winnable trade so that if that's your only trade, it's worth your while. Exactly. And honestly, this might sound uh, this might sound high to some people, but for me to move off, and I've said this before in a super flat, you know, a, a startup draft where you have a tier, and it doesn't matter if you move one pick off of that tier or eleven. If you're moving off of that tier, again, he knew when he was trading down that Jonathan Taylor was going to be gone. I mean, all likelihood. Right. It sounds like Edwards Alaire went one, Taylor's there, and you know the likelihood of taking him is is ninety eight percent. So. Uh, moving off of that, it doesn't matter if you're moving to three, five, or eleven. Yes, those are different players, but to me, I mean, you got to go from two to three, and get, like it's like give me guys straight up, like give me, like yeah. like the, the fact that he gave Kieran Johnson to me is the part that I'm sort of like, even if you don't think Jonathan Taylor is that much better than Cam Akers, and I'm open to hearing arguments like that, then again, I still think you gotta gotta make you move off the position, not like I'm looking around, you know, for any reason, you know. Every which way but loose, you know. I'm just any any way to get me off of this pick, like you almost didn't want to make it, is is how it looks. Is what I'll say. Right, and and I've made the mistake before in rookie drafts where it's like if you don't care what that next tier is from Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, and maybe even a couple of those wide receivers, as you just mentioned, if you're just trade, it doesn't matter if you're trading back one spot or five spots. Even if you're going to get one of your guys, you still have to make it count and make it worth your while. Understand uh, that that's a market tier. Right. If it's less of a tier for you, it's still a tier. Um, all right. For, this is from uh, Waifu, I believe, if I'm saying that correctly. Do you ever try to determine if a prospect is overdrafted by an NFL team? Like Van Jefferson seems his rookie ADP is historically late for a second round wide receiver. That is true. It is clearly people don't like him, uh, not only because he is old, he is old as well. Um, so what are your thoughts maybe on Van Jefferson? And is that something where you look and say, you know, man, I'm getting a lot of NFL draft capital if I take him? Uh, or do you just independently view it as I'm not a Van Jefferson fan? We saw him at the Senior Bowl, and so so he's not really even on your radar. Where it's like, oh, he's available in the third round of rookie drafts. Well, I still don't want to go that direction, even though he was drafted in the second round. Those types of thoughts. It again, it's such a deep, talented draft that there's so many tiebreakers against Van Jefferson. Um, there's so many running backs that I'd rather have that are typically going to be a more stable early on asset so it, it well it sounds like it just doesn't suck you in i mean it's not like oh van jefferson's right. going to 307 i have to take him type of feel right i mean i would still prefer devin duvernay and i've seen duvernay fall to 307 in draft oh, yeah. so i'd rather have duvernay than van KJ jefferson Hamler saw falls. them both he went in the second round even higher than van jefferson so right exactly so there it's just um he is but just just for a point of reference i mean van jefferson is absolutely one of the weakest prospects to go that high in the nfl draft in in a decent amount of time at wide receiver so he just did, i don't know people are lauding all over him in mobile i just i don't know he seems like he's going to blend in. Now, could he be, you know, a very functional in a schemed up Rams passing game? Absolutely. Doesn't mean I have to think he's a good player. Right. All right. From uh, Juno, 
Could you please elaborate on the concept of growing your running backs organically by providing examples? <laughs> so, Katie, just sure. list running backs you've drafted as rookies and held on to them, and now they're starting for you. And how long an organically grown running back? So, I maybe this is a. G, I feel like there's a GMO argument uh, joke in here somewhere. Um, how long did <laughs> that an organically grown running back should remain on your roster before trading? At peak value, man, there's a lot of un- to unpack here, Katie. What yeah, and is. what the overall benefits are of this strategy? So for Juno, okay. unpack it, Katie. All right. So if you haven't listened to me in a while, or it's uh, maybe you've never heard me explain what I mean by organic running backs in a startup, my focus is going to be building my core with the harder assets that are harder to uh, to get right. So I want the wide receivers, I want my core, I want my, uh, depending on the format, quarterbacks and tight ends to a certain degree. But I don't want to take a chance on, unless it's an elite level running back early in a startup, I'm not going to take a marginal running back in the second or third or even later until we get way past like the 10th, 12th round and then you're taking running backs as fillers kind of thing. But in a startup draft, my focus is building my wide receiver core to get strong and organically growing rather than paying top dollar for a running back in a draft or trading for a running back top dollar. That's not my mo growing them organically means either finding them off the waiver wire or getting them in a rookie draft it doesn't mean that you have to hold them forever it doesn't mean that you're tied to them forever but it means you're not paying top dollar if you struggle in year one after a startup draft that's pretty normal and then you've got a fairly good rookie pick Hopefully you've also traded back multiple times in your startup draft. And so you don't care about those guys in that in that first and second round that are the high ticket overpriced automobiles that once you drive them off the lot, their value starts to go down. So by trading back and getting extra rookie picks gives you a lot more ammunition to be able to get several different running backs in rookie drafts. So that's part, that's the organic part is growing them instead of paying top dollar, instead of paying top dollar either in a startup or in a trade. If I miss on a running back in a rookie draft and they become a stud, I'm still not going to pay up unless that is the one difference maker that will put me my team over the top. But just compile as many running backs, the highest profile that you can, for the lowest price that you can. And, and if they pop off, and you've got multiple ones, then it's okay to trade. If somebody wants to offer you a, a crazy deal uh, because now they're a, a top first or second round startup value, then I'm fine with selling a running back and then going back to the well. And, and also because of my Debbie, I've scout three, four years in advance. So I've got a pretty good feel for what's on the horizon and which classes will be better to be able to plan around in the depth of the running back situation. It's also a much more projectable position as prospects. Um, right. You know, it, it's a little easier to uh, project them from college to pro, whether it's during their college career or you get through the testing, you know, you get draft information, you get into your rookie draft. Um, so that's another part of it. Like if, you, if you're going to gravitate towards running back in rookie drafts in general, then 
you're going to be getting them and the organic part is, you know, growing them from the ground up, meaning 21, 22 years old, incoming into the NFL yet to play it down, as opposed to, like you say, once they get the job, you know, then you, they get the start job, they start producing, then you got to pay through the nose. And, and right. that's the part that, that you're kind of saying is, is get them on the rise as opposed to, you know, the ones that have the jobs, the one you feel good about. Now you're kind of taking on a ton of risk because there's downside of what if they lose the job? What if they get injured? You know, what if this opportunity is siphoned because maybe carry on Johnson style, like what if they get hurt and then they draft somebody else and, you know, and now they're worth half of what they were or whatever, like you bought in on the high side because you bought in when they had a job and as opposed to, you know, a little more ambiguous or incoming late first type valuation or whatever rookie draft, you know, you're getting them and you're getting upside upon that on if they were to fulfill those expectations. And here's a few examples. He asked for some examples of guys that I I avoided in uh, startup drafts. Gio Bernard in his second year was had escalated into the top two rounds of startup drafts. Oh, yeah. uh, Hill, Jeremy Hill. Um, you had guys like Monty Ball, uh, guys like Tevin Coleman, who is – now just an average Joe. He gives you fantasy points, but would people clamor over him in the first or second round of a startup right now? Heck no. There are elite profiles like the Saquon Barkley's and the Christian McCaffrey and uh, you know some of, the, some of the guys that are in the first round. But once you get beyond the first round or, or even the second round, I, I just don't want to... Like, Kerryon Johnson is a good example. He's a good running back. I got him organically in a lot of my rookie drafts, and in fact, quite inexpensively. If you played him, chances are good that that he did well for your team, and maybe you won a championship with him. But if you didn't sell him at the right time, he's not worth anywhere near as much as he was just a short while ago, and running backs fluctuate unless they're an elite profile there's no sense in paying up for these guys like Clyde Edwards Alaire I think is going way too early in startup drafts he hasn't done a thing and and he doesn't have that elite profile so I just would rather take a shot more with the rookie drafts that's what the growing organically means and then you know guys that have hit that you get in that early second Guys like David Johnson, you know, the same year that Todd Gurley was going 101, David Johnson was going 201. And yes, lately he's fallen off, but at the 201 price tag, he had a stud season and he I won I won a championship with him. And you churn running backs. You don't you don't pay through the nose for them. And also running back is the most one-to-one position of if the starter goes out, even if you have a guy that is a backup, you know, or the 1B or 2A or whatever moniker you want to put on it. They're going to get the carries. If the starter goes out, I mean, as long as they are of requisite talent, I mean, they could produce... 85 plus percent of what the starter is producing just because the NFL team's still going to run the ball. You know, so that's why, you know, that's why I'm a, a huge advocate of, you know, hey, even if Aaron Jones is the guy, uh, I mean, AJ Dillon could be a misstep away from all of a sudden being the starter. And that has. And AJ Dillon and that is that perfect value. example yeah. of this year's organic 201, yeah. 201 through 205 range. 
he's got the profile that you want or, to have. Or James Conner or Alexander Madison. Exactly. There's just, again, yes. finding guys over the course of time that you say, even if I have to wait for opportunity to present itself, I, I'm willing to do so. And so I think that that's the other key part. It's, it's not, I mean, it's easy, I think, to sit here and go, well, if you're at one, you draft Sequan Barkley or you draft Jonathan Taylor, or, like, you know, or Ezekiel Elliott or, you know, you can, these examples, but it's like, it's also the the late first, you know, the second round, even the third round of these guys that benefit from injury. And then you have options. I mean, I'll say some of the best teams that I can remember over the past few years for me are teams where you get into the season and you might have had the, the signs that, you know, this could be happening for you um, going into the year. You know, maybe, oh, I had Barkley, Chubb and, you know, two or three other guys where it's like, but when you can get in there, especially when you have flexes and you're starting three, four, five NFL starting quality running backs on a weekly basis, you're going to be a tough out. Like as long as, you know, you're kind of average at other positions, you're going to be a tough beat and no one's going to want to play you. So that's really the, the big leverage that you can have because there's so much upside, but you have such a high floor of usage uh, in terms of game script, guys that, you know, especially if they can score at the goal line, also catch passes, uh, you know, those NFL three down running backs, um, there's just a finite amount of them, especially guys that have enough upside on their own to create on their own big plays. And there's just, you want as many as you can. And like Katie said, I mean, the, the time to get them is being selective on who you want in the, in the startup draft, your annual draft, mining the waiver wire, a, a, a position you definitely spend attention because it is so valuable. Yeah. And just one more point about regarding just when do you let go of them? When do you sell them? Yeah. That all, that all again, depends on where your, where your team build is, where you are, um, I'm not a farm team for somebody else. I'm not going to discover this really great running back and then sell them for marginal profit. If they're going to be sustainable and help my team for that year, I'd rather hang on to them. I know that there are people that are trying to sell Todd Gurley and David Johnson right now, and, and uh, they want to just get them off like they're hot potatoes, <laughs> get them yeah. off their team. And it's like, personally, they're, they're strong. They're, I would rather have them die on my team for what they've already done for my team and what they're going to potentially do. I'd rather have them on my team and just continue to call the younger running backs. And and because I've got a good core of wide receivers that wide receivers should have the longer lifespan on your dynasty roster, but that's not always necessarily so either. Uh, but running but backs rather... can be the ones that pop, you know, for that big yes. impactful season. It might take a wide receiver three decent to good years to replicate that one running back year. Um, you know, so the time value of right. that, you know, condensing it into one season can really help. And 26, I mean, I know people, Gurley's a great example that there's going to be ups and downs. Like you're not going to have this just like, oh, lock and load. Just, oh, let me write, cash that check every single year. I mean, Gurley was the number one running back two straight years. He's 26, which is still very much in a lot of the research I've done right there in the prime window of production. You know, 26, 27, Le'Veon Bell is at 28, you know, but that's still, you know, if they still have jobs and especially the guys that have produced to a high level, Keep betting on him. I mean, Gurley. You're going to be chasing that production if well, you don't. Yeah, Gurley. And Gurley's. Oh, it's like oh, he was so horrible last year. He's a running back too. Give him, yeah. give him some some leeway. You know, Le'Veon Bell was on a horrible team. He was like running back 18 or something. 
Give them. And and that's that's the thing. A lot of people are like, well, you know, I, I want the guaranteed production. Put them in the production. graveyard. Give, give, tell me anybody that's guaranteed production. Right. There's no such thing those as are guaranteed two, Those are two pretty production. solid projected workloads. You know, I mean, and again, just let's go based on what we know, right? I mean, what we know yeah. is th- those two guys are lead backs for their team. We'll figure out, you know, how the twists and turns later, um, you know, but but their workloads. Um, we got one more question here. Uh, sure. Mike Doles, he says, uh, what do you do with, a- oh, here we go. This is a right right in your wheelhouse, Katie. What do, you, what do you do with aging running backs like Todd Gurley, David Johnson, if the season is shortened or canceled, does the extra rest hurt or help? I think it helps them. Definitely isn't. I don't gonna, think it it's hurts. It's not going to be a full accrued year. I mean, you're talking like if a play, if a running back has 300 carries over 16 games, how can that possibly age you the same? Of like you're ticking a whole year, you know, calendar wise. But yeah, I mean, if you play four games and everyone's done, or if there's no season, I mean you got to view age a little differently, right? I mean, it's like, eh, maybe it's like a half year, you know, <laughs> something like, you know, just age, age ticks along, but you still didn't accrue. I mean, both of them are factors, age and workload. But uh, again, right. I mean, Gurley's on. I a, think for a running back, I think it would actually help them more than even for a wide receiver. Right. I mean, we saw Marshawn Lynch, you know, he came back after spurts away. I believe, uh, Who's the other one? Uh, Ricky, Adrian Rick, Peterson. Ricky Williams came back after time away as well. I think some of his better seasons actually came in his 30s with time away. So, yeah, I mean, I think it goes both ways. Uh, me, it's more fascinating with the contracts. You know, how does that work? Like, if there was right. zero season, does everything just freeze? You know, I mean, in right. terms of, okay, everyone, your 2020 contract is just push it forward one year as if it didn't happen. I mean, those are the interesting parts to me. Um, any final thoughts? We've talked about a lot of different things in terms of uh, running backs, uh, just viewing this year, how it could be different. Uh, anything that kind of stuck out? Well, just uh, for final thoughts, I want to give a shout out. Uh, I was on vacation this last week. My nephew came down. We built a few projects around the house, had a good time hanging out at the pool. I didn't overwork him. I didn't overwork (laughs) myself. We both had fun uh, working together on the projects. But we got to meet a listener who was coming through town with his family on his way out to the West Coast. And uh, so shout out to Chris. It was great to meet you and your family and safe travels. And that's it. Excellent. Thanks for listening, Chris. And uh, again, Katie is such a great ambassador. Um, man, I'll tell you, from last summer, I do actually miss, you know, the traveling around, getting to see people. I, I had a Shades of Katie, you know, going on the <laughs> UTH tour of just like, you know, new city, uh, new peeps, you know, trying to uh, create connections, you know, in a, a short timetable like you typically, you know, be there for part of a week, let's say. And, uh, you know, and then you're moving on. You know, you've got stories, you've got memories, and it's on to a new locale. Um, so, so yeah, um, that was, you know, we're all, most of us are, are shut down from, from that capacity at this point, but, uh, but man, good stuff, um, there. And, uh, let's see, I think nothing else I really wanted to mention overall. So again, support the show, patreon.com slash UTH. So you don't listen to eight to 12 minutes of ads per show here on UTH. We can keep the, uh, the main line of, of Katie dropping knowledge, um, on this show at a, a high, high level. So appreciate your questions this week. Probably should mix them in, you know, a little more than I do. Um, yeah. Cause again, it keeps us on our toes as well. Get us out of our, uh, little, uh, conversational bubble. So plenty of stuff didn't hit. We'll roll it over to next week. And like 
I said, we're we're churning towards uh, more and more NFL activities. It's kind of exciting. There's a crackle in the air. So let's keep that positive momentum of sports hitting our our televisions, and, and you know, let's keep uh, NFL Network and ESPN on on Katie's TV a little more than it has been back in June. So uh, all good signs. You can find Katie for conversations between episodes at FF underscore Skyler three ninety nine. I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Until then, never settle. Refuse to be average and keep building those dynasties.